Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. You can follow us on X at the Lines US. Follow me at Eli Herskovich. Follow Mo with two W's at Mo Noir. Remember to give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to get notifications whenever the Lines releases new sports betting videos on any market, including the NFL playoffs, conference championship weekend, Megapod, and us. Those are the two betting previews you have to break down Chiefs Ravens and 49ers Lions. Mo, we are 40. 40- Five and 27 when it comes to spreads and totals this season. But we both know that the most important record is in regards to Sean Smith, the official for Ravens Chiefs. In the 39 games he has officiated over the last three seasons, home teams have gone 17, 29, and three against the spread. They have won just 40.8% of those games straight up, the lowest win rate among NFL officials. So clearly the NFL is in some sort of cahoots to get Taylor Swift to the Super Bowl in regards to Chiefs Ravens, right? I would welcome these cahoots. I have to say that having watched Sean Smith, I don't have a positive impression of him and I'm surprised he's getting this assignment. But then again, they gave Cleet Blakeman the other assignment and he's even worse. So you can't be worse than Cleet. So I guess uh, we'll be happy Er than we would have if it would have been Cleet on this game. Yeah, it sounds like if the Ravens lose, Ravens fans are in for a cruel summer. Did you get my reference there? I did. How cringeworthy was it on a scale of one to ten? Okay, seven. All right, I'll take it. Could be could be worse on my end. But whether you want Taylor Swift going to the Super Bowl, if you're a Chiefs fan or you're betting on the Chiefs, or you want the Ravens, we're gonna break down. That game, along with our handicap of the NFC Championship. Remember that if you're betting on either game, both games, you want to tail or fade our bets, you can use BetMGM promo code one word, the lines, to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Remember that's the lines, one word, and bonus bets are not equivalent to real money, and terms and conditions apply. So when we recorded our first edition of Beat the Closing Number this week, Mo, Ravens were uh, juice three and maybe minus three and a half, even money against Kansas City. Now up to as high as minus four at some shops. Got there on Tuesday as we're recording this Wednesday night. And by the way, after our handicaps of these games, I'll be joined by Evan Silva. And if it seems like we're going from night to day, it's because Mo is taking a flight, going on vacation, right? Poker tournament, something like that. Something like that. Definitely poker tournament. Don't know how much vacation. It's just, you know, more of a business trip. Not like last year when I got to, you know, imbibe the whole time and watch the Chiefs beat the Bengals, which I have to say at the sports book we were at, there was this Bengals fan. Oh, man, you should have seen him after that last flag. He lost it. I thought he might like break the screen. I mean, this guy was he was having a tough time that whole game. Well, I got to tell you, Patrick Mahomes flops. I'm not calling that play a flop, that sequence a flop in last year's AFC Championship game. But if he does do what I thought he was going to do or Josh Allen was going to do in that Chiefs-Bills game, I will also be irate and I will be having a cruel summer with my Ravens futures. Going back to my at Baltimore 25-1. to Yes, you could take a shot. I said, I mentioned my Ravens futures yet again. Here on Beat the Closing Number. But back to the point spread. Baltimore as high as minus four. Minus three and a half at other books. Total of 44 and a half. It opened around 45. We're seeing 
some shops flexing back and forth between those two numbers. But since my Ravens bet is kind of off the board at this point, I bet Baltimore minus three, minus 115 in the Discord channel on Sunday night. And you could always find our bets in real time over at the lines.com Discord channel link in the top right-hand corner. I'm going to give an argument for a player prop here in a moment, but my handicap for Ravens Chiefs most starting off with Kansas City on the offensive side of the ball. The reason why about the Ravens, I'm looking and I was looking to sell high in Kansas City in a one-game sample size coming off of that Bills loss, especially Kansas City-wise, and selling high in Kansas City's offense in particular. You go back to that game, best offensive performance this season when it comes to DVOA. And you go back to the wildcard round against Miami. Yes, they won and got turnover variance in the process, but league average DVOA against the Dolphins. And keep in mind, the Ravens have the top rated defense when it comes to DVOA this season. And when it comes to Mahomes and targeting Travis Kelsey, getting into rhythm like we saw against Buffalo, keep in mind, Dolphins and Bills defenses were both banged up and Buffalo's in particular in the secondary, and especially when it came to covering Travis Kelsey, Kelsey averaging eight targets per game in the playoffs. And I would expect whether it's man-to-man coverage with Kyle Hamilton or the Ravens just having a healthier defense, bracketing him with whether it's Humphrey or one of their other cornerbacks, Brandon Stevens and Marcus Williams, who's an elite safety in his own right. I think the Ravens will do a much better job of containing Kelsey than the Dolphins and especially the Bills did last week. And then you look at Mahomes against man-to-man coverage versus zone looks. His adjusted net yards per attempt dips by nearly a full yard versus man coverage compared to zone. And you look at the Ravens defense, pretty solid man-to-man coverage. They run the sixth highest man match coverage across the NFL. And they also stunt a lot at the line of scrimmage, which is why I think the Joe Tooney injury is going to be more glaring than maybe you think, even though the Chiefs have some depth up front. A, they rely on their offensive line continuity. When you look at the continuity rates across protection in the NFL offensive lines this season, but they also allowed the third highest pressure rate against stunts this year. And like I said, the Ravens love to use stunts with Mike McDonald, one of the better defensive coordinators in the NFL, and also just using different blitz packages pre-snap at the line of scrimmage, like I've been talking about with Baltimore all season long on that side of the ball. So again, going back to what I let off with, I don't expect Kansas City to A, score on every single possession besides their final one if you're discounting the kneel downs against the Bills, and I expect offensive regression for Kansas City. So I'm assuming you're going to tell me I'm wrong there, Mo. Well, I mean... How can they be better than they were against Buffalo? Like you said, they scored every time they had the ball, uh, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely am not as excited about this over as I was a couple days ago. The more I keep uh, looking at the matchups and the more the injuries keep cropping up, which for sure uh, broke in the Ravens' favor here. Uh, Joe Tooney is not going to play, probably. And Marlon Humphreys looks like he might play probably a favorite to play. So those are two uh, pretty pretty good swing spots that both favored the Ravens. Um, the Tooney injury is, the, like I said, the only one I was worried about really. I mean, the Chiefs have so much depth on their defense that it's probably not a big deal if Willie Gay, Mike Edwards, these guys are out. 
the Chiefs do have Nick Allegretti to step in. He's a pretty solid backup for the most part in his career. So may, maybe they won't miss Tooney as much as I'm fearing. But I, I just mainly worry because the tackle play hasn't been that good. So it's like Mahomes can probably deal with a couple weak points. But like we saw against Tampa Bay in that one Super Bowl, you put enough weak points out there, uh, you know, it's not going to matter who the quarterback is because it, it can just get overwhelming at that point. And with how mediocre the tackle play has been this year and the fact that they are facing Jadavion Clowney here, who I think is a really tough matchup for this Chiefs tackles because I just feel like when I've mostly seen the Chiefs tackle struggle, it's usually against power rushers. I think they're pretty good at handling the bendier, speedier guys for the most part. But like Clowney is a power rusher, can collapse the pocket. So I think Mahomes can maybe deal with that a little bit, right? If it's collapsing on the sides, he can step up. But at that point, you you need your interior line to be performing. And the Chiefs have all year, right? This is the strength of this line is the interior. They're all very strong players. So if Allegretti can uh, perform at a pretty solid level, then I'm not too worried about it. But good luck against Matabike, man. Seven if pressures he's struggling, the then... Yeah, I mean, the Texans don't have a good line. So, like, I guess they're, like, pretty good in pass protection, but they're, like, the worst ever at run blocking. <laughs> Probably worse than the Chiefs, even. Um, yeah, the the forecast also, I, I checked it today. It's getting more, uh, like, poor for offense as well. Uh, where before it was, like, 60% chance of rain, it's a 90% day forecast and 70% PM forecast. It hasn't moved the total yet, but I'm wondering if it will. <laughs> so I'm like holding off on betting this over. I'm wondering if the number is going to move. I mean, that's like pretty certain that there's going to be rain, right? 90% and 70%. It seems like it should help the Ravens too. I, I mean, we know the Chiefs have had trouble hanging onto the ball at times. Add in some rain. I think that could even uh, obviously get worse. It's interesting when you look at the Chiefs history against this defense. I mean, Mahomes has done very well facing the Ravens, but you know, that was against blitz happy wink Martindale. Right. And like now the new Ravens are 24th in blitz rate, you know, not getting as much pressure, 19th in pressure rate. So that's obviously the flip side of that. And we'll see, like, I think that's going to be a big, big deal is obviously how does the new Ravens scheme match up against this chiefs offense? I mean, not pressuring Mahomes usually means you're going to get wrecked. Um, but I think, like you said, he's going to have to make throws into tight windows in this game. Uh, I'm definitely with you there. Uh, I guess in that sense, it's possible we see some bigger plays at times and like a lower success rate, like not as consistent as they were able to be against Buffalo with, you know, wide open guys here and there. He's definitely not going to be able to score at will again, like against Buffalo. I just can't see that being the case here in, on the road, tough conditions, tough opponent. I don't know. I am a little bit more worried for the Chiefs than I was a couple of days ago. If you want to talk Chiefs defense, I do think a lot of people are going to look at Lamar's rushing prop. He's been running a lot, and the Chiefs are top five in man. <laughs> so could be some lanes, but at the same time, I just I don't recommend that play either because I think the I think the market has adjusted for that. I mean, his rushing total is up to 64 and a half. It was low fifties last week. I got it at 53 and a half on the under, and I think it closed 50 and a half. So, so much for my CLV there, but 
yeah, like I think this is baked in and probably would not recommend a wager there. So sounds like you might have some stuff for the Ravens. So we can dive into props now. You tell me what you like. Yeah, so the one prop that I bet, and we're actually going to be going not necessarily opposite here, but I'm taking one running back on the Ravens, and it's not Justice Hill. I'm looking at Gus Edwards, his rushing yards prop last week. So this is kind of a buy low spot for me just in terms of the rushing yards prop. And by the way, just a preface too for anybody that bet the Ravens with me Sunday night into Monday when we did our first show of the week. Much bigger bet for me on Ravens minus three, juice minus three than this Gus Edwards rushing yards prop. I'm not saying it was a max unit bet or anything crazy like that, but I usually don't play my props nearly as big when I do bet player props as opposed to spreads and totals. But like I said, rushing yards prop for Edwards against the Texans, 52 and a half down to 40 and a half this week. And we've hit it ad nauseum with the Chiefs in the playoffs. They rank bottom 10 in nearly every category when it comes to their rushing defense, including DVOA, EPA, run stop win rate, and explosive carries allowed. I know Hill is the more explosive back between the two, but you look at their snap counts last week when it wasn't garbage time, about even. So while I do see a little bit more value in anytime touchdown odds for Hill in comparison to Edwards, I think Edwards' rushing yards prop is deflated enough. Honestly, both guys could go over and maybe Jackson goes under to your point, but I still think there's enough value here to back Edwards considering the snap rate. It's not like he got pushed off the field where it was 66%, let's say, in Hill's favor. And the Ravens run gap scheme when it comes to RPOs, arguably the best and most efficient in the NFL. And that may seem obvious, but when you have a rushing quarterback like Lamar, extremely explosive and efficient, and the Chiefs are very, I'm tearing up here, thinking about the Ravens advancing to the Super Bowl, but Josh Allen last week against Kansas City, 4.0 EPA on the ground. Lamar Jackson, 4.9 EPA against the Texans. I wouldn't be surprised if Jackson has a big game, but I am going to look to buy low on Edwards rushing yards prop in a plus matchup. And just because it's not like the snaps went anywhere for him last week. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if I like the under there, but I I like the other side of this equation, though. Uh, I, I like Justice Hill. I mean, he's like eight yards lower, 33 and a half. I'm basically going off the fact that he got the first carry of the game last week, which to me indicates like he's kind of locked in as the starter now, I would think. Um, like you said, probably a more talented player than Gus, so it makes sense. And yeah, more carries, uh, more a better performance than Gus last week. I think it was only by one carry, but yeah, he ran for quite a few more yards as well. I'm surprised this number is so low when he did open the game as the starter. So that number is one that I will certainly be betting. On the other side of things, a couple other Chiefs props I like. So I like Pacheco to score a touchdown. It's plus 135 now. It was plus 140. Uh, Just, I think, so Steven was able to get plus 155 at Fanatics. You guys might want to look there if you have um, accounts there. But yeah, I'm really surprised that this number has dropped where it has. I guess this is just a reflection of a lower team total for the Chiefs. But at the same time, like the the ground is where the Ravens have struggled more. They've been a better pass defense. But this is both of these teams have been better pass defenses than run defenses this year. 
where the Chiefs are bad in run defense, the Ravens are in the middle, a little below the median, I believe. So, uh, yeah, both of these teams can be run on. And you have Pacheco, who has been plus 105 as no better than like plus 120 in recent games. And he's been a touchdown machine, basically. He scored literally all over half the Chiefs' offensive touchdowns, like the last four or five games he's played. He's pretty much been the only consistent red zone weapon. I think I'm surprised this has dropped to plus 135, especially after the Chiefs were giving him the ball last week and after McCole Hardman blew it at the goal line, which makes it even more likely Pacheco's going to get carries near the goal line. So I think that's pretty good. Um, speaking of McColl, I like under 12 and a half uh, receiving yards. Under one and a half catches is plus money. I think that's good too. The so new Kadarius last, Tony on this Chiefs in this Chiefs offense. So that's big part of my handicap here, which I don't think is being reflected in the line whatsoever. These numbers are basically the same as they were last week. Kadarius Tony logged a full practice today. So he didn't play last week, and I'm guessing they're just going to insert him into that gadget role uh, that Hardman has kind of occupied the last couple of weeks. And, and we're coming off two straight weeks where Hardman embarrassed himself. I mean, couldn't track a flying ball against the Dolphins multiple times, and then obviously multiple fumbles last week on very few touches. Also, I believe he lost yards on the other end around they gave him. It was an altogether impressive performance in a way. It, it's hard to be that bad on that few snaps, and he managed to do it. I don't know how Andy can look himself in the eye if he puts Nicole in the game. And, I mean, even if he gets, like, some clock, I still think even at best, Tony's going to eat into some of that. I mean, Tony has at least made some plays down the field in his life as well, which I haven't seen since Hardman's like rookie year. Um, and yeah, he just seems to be the preferred player overall. I would think uh, just based on what I've seen this year and how bad Hardman was. I, I just think, yeah, I, I think Tony's going to get some of that clock and, and I like unders on McColl. Uh, other thing I was maybe thinking about, which I haven't really dove into too much yet, but Wondered about both quarterbacks under on their longest plays. It's like you it's like 32 and a half, 33 and a half, I think, for both of them. I mean, there could be some bigger plays for the Chiefs here up against man coverage. Somebody breaks a tackle. You know, you can get some big plays even if it's maybe only like a 20-yard play, you know, when there's not safeties closing on you as much as maybe there is if there's like eyes forward from like two deep, three deep, four deep, you know, but I kind of feel like with the wind, with the rain, with the Ravens having a strong defense, and then, you know, the chiefs are just have been monstrously good at preventing big plays. So if the Ravens are leaning on their running game, I think we could see a little bit more efficiency slash shorter plays from both offenses. It could be hard to get big plays in this game. So I don't know. I'm wondering about that, but haven't looked as deep into that as these other ones. Yeah. Could impact the total, which is what you brought up in the beginning, but I want to go back to Pacheco really quickly here. This doesn't necessarily negate your touchdown prop at all, really, but it kind of gears towards maybe looking at an under, and I just want to get your two cents on it. So Ravens can be had on the ground or at least juxtaposed to their past defense. Kansas City, bottom two rushing success rate across the NFL against two high safety looks pre-snap. 
the one-on-one matchup between quarterback and coordinator, and I'm talking about Mahomes and McDonald, is just going to be fascinating to watch pre- and post-snap adjustments and even audibles from Mahomes' end. But what do you make of that? Because Pacheco has been very effective. He's generated his fair share of explosive rushing plays, especially last week, or at least efficient. That number, that just pre-snap alignment, because this Ravens defense can get so creative, and I've touched on also throughout the postseason and this season in general, how elite these Ravens linebackers are. Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith, not only against the pass, but also limiting opposing running backs to getting to that second level and their elite tacklers at that. I'd be a little concerned about Pacheco in this matchup, maybe more so than it seems like on the surface. I I thought his rushing prop, I looked at it, I thought it was a little bit high, but it's just not reflecting that many carries, really. I mean, I think that's right. The Chiefs are probably, even if he's having success, I mean, we've seen it the last couple weeks. They just want to put these games in Patrick Mahomes' hands. I think that's right. So you can hardly blame them uh, for obvious reasons especially when he's performing like this. Um, But I think the number's about right. So I wouldn't be too strong on either side of that. Pacheco is a a load to handle, obviously. And and last week, like they just did not really want to give many snaps or touches to CEH. I mean, he got two carries, ripped off a big gain on one of them, obviously. But yeah, it seems like they're really focused on getting Pacheco as many carries as he can handle. Uh, I do believe he's banged up a bit. I think he was like a little bit limited on the injury report. So maybe that plays a role here as well. But I'm just going off the fact that the Chiefs have so few reliable weapons in the red zone. And like we were saying, this is going to be a much tougher matchup for Travis Kelsey. I think his number is about where it should be. Unlike last week where I was slamming the over, rightfully so. I mean, the Chiefs only threw like 23 passes and he still went over with like room to spare. But yeah, this is going to be a much tougher matchup for him. So I just see Pacheco as the best option in the red zone for the Chiefs. Um, Maybe a better Rasheed Rice game this week. I could see that for sure. Uh, Just challenge these Ravens DBs to make tackles and uh, fight off some blocks. I would say their numbers really didn't jump out at me either way, though. Last prop I saw for this game, Taylor Swift, 14 to one to receive an AFC championship game. So you're essentially betting on the Chiefs to win the game outright. Mo, are you playing that? Uh, I think I saw that too. And um, I cannot believe that somebody put that on a screen and wants to take bets on it. Don't think that's allowed at legal books, but yeah. Yeah, Max Bat hammered the nail on that prop. All right, on to the NFC Championship game. 49ers, a seven-point favorite across the board. Some minus 115s but in Detroit's direction, but pretty much minus 110 both ways. Total of 50 and a half. Lions, four and one straight up in their last five games. But you look at how exploitable this pass defense is. 11.4 yards per attempt to Nick Mullins in their first matchup against the Vikings going back to week 16, 9.1 yards per attempt to Dak and Dallas, despite Detroit probably should have won that game. If speaking of officials, they had gotten the two point conversion call correctly. Not a dumb flag, nine yards per pass attempt allowed to Mullins in the second Don't round. Don't remind me. I had Lions money line. Yeah. Sorry about that, Mal. 
and the rest of you who did as well. 10.2 yards per pass attempt to Stafford and 8.5 to Baker Mayfield. We both lost pitifully with our Bucks bets last week. The only counter, and I'm not looking to bet Detroit here, Mo. Maybe live wager on the Lions. I kind of want to pick your brain on this one. Well, going back to my previous stat, pretty elite against zone coverage, which is where the Lions defense is most comfortable just with how vulnerable those cornerbacks are. And Sutton and Vildor on the outside, Brian Branch, Nickelback being the exception. Who knows if Debo's going to play Ayuk leaning towards or kind of hinting at that Debo's going to go with the shoulder injury, but still pretty early in the week. You look at the Lions and 49ers offensive yards per drive. Since week nine, San Francisco, number one overall in the league, Detroit, number five defensive yards per drive allowed San Francisco 18th. So below league average in Detroit, 22nd, including the playoffs. How do you navigate through the setback? The 49ers defense has undergone of late. You can even reflect that back to last week. Maybe you say that's a product of. The weather conditions on top of the fact that the 49ers were a bit rusty in the first half, but what do you make of those defensive numbers? I pretty much been skeptical of this Niners defense from square one. A big part of that was losing D'Amico Ryans. I thought that was going to have more an effect than it did early in the season. They did start off the season pretty strong though, but yeah, I kind of don't believe in this roster being like an elite group. So it makes sense to me that they're having some troubles at this point, especially with a group of DBs that I don't think is very good outside of Charvarius Ward. Um, Obviously they have a strong front. Obviously they have Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner who are great. So that helps. But at the same time, people have been running the ball on this front a lot. You know, this is a group that is made to rush the passer and, you know, run with uh, tight ends. So not necessarily the strongest run-stopping group and uh, a group that I think can be beat through the air, although their overall metrics are pretty good in that sense. So uh, I would still say it's an above-average defense, but definitely not one that I think is world-beating by any stretch. By the way, to your point about the Lions' offensive line and their elite, elite run-blocking efficiency, Jonah Jackson torn meniscus, I believe, going back to the Bucks game in the divisional round. And therefore, minor meniscus tear. So not a full one. And it seems like unlikely to play against San Francisco. So that is a negative for sure for the Lions rushing attack. But 49ers defense is a little bit more vulnerable than maybe it appears on the surface when you look at their overall defensive efficiency this season. And you mentioned, by the way, Fred Warner and the 49ers linebacking core. That's one area that I think has gotten maybe... Too much steam into the Lions offense in a positive sense with betters residing with the fact that this Lions passing attack has been super explosive in the playoffs, which it has been at times when golf has gotten the ball out quick and defenses have started to blitz. But the 49ers have defended the middle of the field very well, and that's where golf has excelled this season. So I would just keep that in mind before maybe trying to attack Reynolds props or who's lived over the middle of the field. I'm on Ross St. Brown also to an extent, but more so Reynolds. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that uh, because that's all stuff I'm looking at here. And yeah, I think the line moved to seven is right. It was six and a half 
for a bit with some additional juice on the Niners side. I, I'm looking at Josh Reynolds unders in this game and Jamison Williams overs. Cause I think they're going to be attacking <clears throat> maybe deep and attacking these corners rather than attacking these linebackers. And also you look at <clears throat> Josh Reynolds. So his two biggest games were the last two, which is basically Sam Laporta goes out and Sam Laporta is a shadow of himself. Sorry, not the last two, but the last two prior to this Tampa Bay game. That's the one Sam Laporta looked more like himself. He goes nine for 63 or whatever it was, but <clears throat> those prior two games before, and, and, and not coincidentally, I think Josh Reynolds has like two for 27. I think it was. So they have his line at 34 and a half here. I like the under, I like under two and a half at plus as well. I think I'll be playing that. I just think he basically has more overlap with Amon Ra and Laporta, like you were saying, with the routes he likes to run and with the routes he's most effective in. And I think maybe like when just Amon Ra is out there, it's good for him. It's fine for him. They still need more targets over the middle, right? Like you can't just have one guy. But when it's Laporta and Amon Ra doing all that work over the middle, I think his role is just a lot smaller in the offense, basically. I mean, he still out-snapped J-Mo last week, but less effective for sure. Like, Jamison had more targets, more yards. Uh, his number is 27 and a half. He's been over that four of his last five games. Second half of the season, basically having snap shares consistently like 60 plus. He should be on the field quite a bit. So you can get over two and a half at plus for him. I'll probably be playing Jamison overs and Josh Reynolds unders. Uh, because of those reasons. I also think Mon David Montgomery over 42 and a half. This is like a shockingly low number. I, I think, I think I might just play this out of principle. He's 13 and three to the over on this one. I, I know the offensive line is banged up between Jackson and Frank Ragnall, probably not being a hundred percent, but I mean, he still went plus 15 snaps versus Gibbs last week, had one more carry than him, obviously not as effective, but I mean, this team, you know, they trust him. They love him. They're going to give him his touches. 42 and a half is so, so low for him. Unless the Lions fall way behind, I think he's going to be able to go over this number. So a few props then. One under and two overs with Montgomery and Jameson Williams. And then going back to Ravens Chiefs, unless you have anything else betting wise for the NFC Championship game. So I kind of do um, another over that I'm looking at, but it's not it's not up yet is the problem, <laughs> but I'm going to look at it because I'm anticipating that Debo Samuel is not going to play. I want to see what they open Jawan Jennings at. I feel like he's got a pretty big share of the touches, to be honest, <laughs> when Debo's been out at times and he's performed fine. Like every time I watch him, I'm like, this guy's fine. Like if he was on the chiefs, he'd be WR four. He'd be on the field for, you know, 30 snaps a game, but he's not really getting that much clock on the Niners. They get ahead. They run the ball. Uh, they throw it. Basically they have such target hogs, Kittle, Ayuk, McCaffrey are getting all the touches. But if there's a number like, you know, 15 and a half or whatever, 20 and a half for Jennings, I'm going to be looking at that. He should be able to get a few catches if Debo's out, which honestly I anticipate he will be. I am also wondering about these. Brock Purdy and IUK numbers, these are massive numbers. I mean, 
Purdy is at like 273. Ayuk's 80 and a half, I think. I don't know, man. Ayuk opened at like 70, and I've been hammering these overs against these Detroit outside corners. I, I think the market might have adjusted too far at this point. 80 and a half is, I mean, this is this is a big move. This has moved like nine yards at least, I think, so far. I think it opened like 71 and a half. So I'm wondering about that. But man, I, we know how good this 49ers passing game is, and we know how bad this Detroit secondary is. It's tough, but these numbers do look inflated to me. The Lions, I just feel like their defense, it's similar to the Packers in some senses, which might indicate they could have more success than the metrics would say. I mean, they can be disruptive at times and, and make big plays, I feel like, but their down-to-down -down just ability to stop people, especially in the passing game, has just been really poor all year. So, yeah, you, you would think the Niners would have a lot of success, but at the same time, if if both teams are running the ball, which they both like to, both of them are like borderline top 10, I think, in rushing the ball in, in terms of like rushing rate. So the Niners are, I think, third most. And I know that Detroit has a good run defense, but it's going to be really hard to just absolutely stop that. I mean, you're still talking about McCaffrey with 88 and a half, uh, rushing prop right so should still be some success should still be some first downs should still be moving the clock and if the Niners go up big I don't think we see Purdy go over this number the only way they can blow it at that point is to let Purdy throw picks like he was trying to do against the Packers and, and I think they're well aware of that and they'll just probably ride McCaffrey at that point going back to your point about Ayuk brought up some great points for handicapping this game when it comes to player props and just looking at this thing script-wise, how it can go, maybe a live betting angle if you're interested in betting San Francisco. And this game is still relatively close where they don't have to go to an ultra-negative game script. Didn't necessarily have to do that because McCaffrey still got some runs on that final drive, but Purdy was forced to throw more often, obviously going over his passing attempts versus the Packers when it came to his player prop. But not that you should always look for a middle. Apples and oranges last week with... Me taking the under 45 and a half on the open with Ravens Texans, you taking the over and both teams combined for 44 points. Highly unlikely something like that happens twice, two or three times in a row versus your rare example that we get to bring up on the show. But it's worth looking into if you've already bet the over on Iuke, because as you've said, I think Jennings may be the receiver to target here and and when an inflated number pops like that, just because a receiver may be out, also Debo could play. Maybe he's a bit of a decoy, but he could play. And then he goes under. So there are a lot of different routes for under his receiving yards prop, especially if it closes at around 80 and a half. And then with Debo in particular, you're going to see a lot of 49ers naysayers or those that are novice betters and look at the 49ers record without Debo this year. Owen three without Debo in the lineup or if he leaves the game early. I think that was going back to the Packers game may not have come true because obviously they won the game outright, but that also correlates or that record is including Trent Williams being out for. That's what I was going to say. That, that, that yeah. could be more of a Trent Williams stat than a Debo stat. Right. So I, my point was I wouldn't look too much into that with a ton of interest. Yeah. I mean, Trent Williams is arguably the most impactful lineman in the NFL. So uh, when he's out, 
I think that's obviously massive. Um, very, very difficult player to replace. When you look at Debo Samuel, like I said, Jawan Jennings comes in and he gets yards. Like, is he Debo Samuel? No, of course not. But the 49ers have enough weapons that they can, you know, overcome the loss of one guy at any one time, I think. If I remember right, there was there was several other injuries too. The, the Niners were really banged up at that point of the season, so Purdy not had something the concussion. I'd, yeah, I think not something I'd be too worried about. All right, so that's going to do it for our prop bets and just overall looks for the game. Maybe a live bet here and there. I may try to look. I'm not even going to say try. Look to back the Lions live, just depending on how aggressive Campbell is. Throughout this game, maybe if I get a couple possessions, I think it could be a little bit closer than the market indicates just because of, to your point, I think Detroit will have some success on the ground, even without Jackson in there. And this number may be a tad inflated with the 49ers poor defensive metrics, or at least below league average numbers from week nine onward this season. So we have a few props for you. In 49ers Lions, I have my Edwards over in Ravens Chiefs. And then if you want to line out what you're betting in the AFC title game one more time. Yeah, so definitely going to be on Pacheco touchdown. Yes, if I can at least still get around plus 135. I don't know if I'll go too much lower, maybe plus 130. Um, Justice Hill over 33 and a half for sure. And any Nicole unders that I can find, I think are going to be in my account as well. All right, and then I have my Ravens minus three, juice minus three bet from Sunday night. You can find all of our bets and live ads in the Discord. Link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner. Now, as we promised, time to be joined by the legend, Evan Silva. You can follow him at Evan Silva on X, co-founder of Establish the Run, one of the best fantasy football and really NFL betting resources out there. He's a fantasy football originator. And Evan, I saw on, on X that you guys even have custom mugs between you and Adam of your faces for Establish the Run. How about that? Yeah, um, it's uh, <laughs> um, it, it happened because I went to, um, well, this guy hit me up in our, in our Discord. Our, our, we have like this big Discord with a ton of people in there. If you're a subscriber in any way, you get to, uh, to Establish the Run, you get access to our Discord. And this guy hit me up. Uh, before the week 18 Packers bears game. And he was like, yo man, I run all the concessions at Lambeau field and we have four extra spots in a suite for bears uh, Packers. And I was kind of like, geez, okay. Um, what could that entail? <laughs> and uh, I, I showed up, this guy is like the mayor of green Bay. Um, I mean, he knows everyone. He literally runs all the concessions in and around Lambeau field we get up to the suite and this guy has like made it like a shrine to establish the run and he even has like cookies with our faces on <laughs> the cookies and I don't know it was just incredible so then I, I tweeted that out and then this uh in, this guy who runs an engraving uh business in New Jersey was like hey man I can put your your face on the side of um you know the Stanley Cups or the uh uh, the Yetis or whatever. And I was like, okay. So then he, so then he did that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. They're awesome. They're like awesome quality cups too. I mean, it's kind of like narcissistic at this point. What, what am I going to tell the guy? No, like I, I had to take him up on that. Yeah. Stanley's are becoming the big thing, whether it was a Stanley or a Yeti, you got to take anybody up on that offer for sure. But 
The people came to hear your prop betting advice and really just betting advice for both conference championship games. So before we get into the spreads and you have bets, plural, on both of them, looking at the quarterback props for the AFC title game, rushing yards wise, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. Mo and I were discussing this in the first half of beat the closing number this week that I think the overall consensus or maybe the novice notion is you bet Lamar rushing yards over because of the plus matchup. But he and I both agree with you that the number may be inflated at this point, but Mm -hmm. you're not only looking at Jackson under, you're looking at Mahomes over. So what's your reasoning there? With Lamar, um, well, the Chiefs, the way that they play it and how they've played against movement-based quarterbacks, I shouldn't say movement-based, but just movement-oriented plus movement quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson is they want to keep him moving east-west and not north-south, and they go out of their way to stop him as, as a runner. Um, so I think that that's what they're going to do. On the other side, Patrick Mahomes just has this longstanding tendency to run more and to run highly efficiently in like do or die, make or break type games in the playoffs. He's consistently run more and run for more yards um, and in like make or break uh, late season games as well. Uh, And I think he could definitely get to 27 and a half. I also think that he's going to be under a lot of pressure because the chiefs offensive tackles are not very good uh, in pass protection. Actually they're bad in pass protection. And so I think that that may lead to more scrambling opportunities for Patrick Mahomes. And you brought up the Chiefs offensive line. So a huge injury that could impact things, not only yep. with those exploitable tackles, Donovan Smith, but also Joe Tooney, who suffered that peck injury against the Bills and mm-hmm. all the stunts that Mike McDonald, the Ravens defensive coordinator yep. in this Ravens defense overall runs. How do you expect the chess match to go between Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes and Mike McDonald in this elite Ravens defense? Yeah, and it's of particular concern because Justin Matabuike has emerged as like one of the best interior pass rushers in the NFL uh, going up against, you know, a a Joe Tooney-less Chiefs offensive line. And I think that that's going to lead to more, um, you know, more more double teams on the interior, which means less help typically for the the tackles. so, I mean, I think that that's, that's a real concern for Kansas City and actually why I'm going, part of the reason of why I'm going, taking the Ravens at uh, minus four. Let's continue along here before we get back to the point spread. Okay. Looking at another receiving yards prop, positive sense for the Ravens with one of their tailbacks. And there's been a lot of pull and tug between whether it's Gus Edwards or Justice Hill who's the beneficiary against an exploitable Chiefs defense, but you're not looking at a Ravens running back in that regard. You're looking through the air. So why do you like Hills receiving yards over this week? Um, I, well, I think that Justice Hill over the past, I don't know, three, four weeks has looked really the best that he ever has in his NFL career. He's looked like, you know, he's given them some juice since Keaton Mitchell uh, went out for the season and his role has grown uh, because Gus Edwards, I mean, you kind of, you know, Gus Edwards will get what's blocked. Well, you kind of know what you're going to get with Gus Edwards. And uh, the Ravens offense under Todd Monken, you know, is more pass passing oriented, more oriented toward passing to the running backs than Greg Romans was the previous uh, Ravens offensive coordinator. And Justice Hill has 
kind of capitalized on that on that increased opportunity. And I mean, it's just not many yards to get. What is it, 12 and a half? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I think he'd get there maybe on one catch. And I think he gets like two or three catches. All right, and then let's wrap it up receiving yards prop-wise for this AFC title game. A few others you're looking at, if you don't mind breaking those down. So I like the under on Rashad Bateman at 22.5 receiving yards. I think that Odell Beckham is going to play a, a bigger role than he did last week when he only ran eight routes. Surprisingly, also Mark Andrews is going to be back, so that's going to take away from Rashad Bateman. I think this is like a 15-yard game maybe uh, for Rashad Bateman. And the Chiefs' perimeter corners are really good. And Bateman primarily plays on the perimeter. Mark Andrews is back. You know, he was he practiced fully twice last week. I actually thought he, he had a good chance to play last week. But there was a, a, a quote that came out from Mark Andrews. He's like, you know, it, close is not good enough. I want to make sure that I'm at 100% when, when I return. And he has practiced fully all this week. I think that over 34 and a half receiving yards – for a healthy Mark Andrews is an absolute steal. I'm taking Rasheed Rice under 59 and a half receiving yards. Uh, Rasheed Rice is the Chiefs' primary slot receiver. And Kyle Hamilton for the Ravens is an absolute stud slot corner. And the, the big kind of slot corner that can match up with Rasheed Rice physically. Um, and, and that, that kind of takes care of my, um, my receiving yards props for, uh, uh, Ravens chiefs. And jumping back to Andrews for a second, good buddy yeah. of ours, Connor Allen brought up a great stat on X with Zay flowers. And when they're both on the field between Andrews and flowers and how mm -hmm. flowers hasn't been nearly as efficient, which you would mm -hmm. expect, but a 16.3% target share point. One six targets per route run. Did you consider Flowers under receiving yards, or did you think his prop was lying correctly? I, I like kind of stay away from Zay Flowers because I just know how explosive he is, and um, and he he can mess things up because he can make big <laughs> plays. So, yeah, I mean, I, I I just I think it's a shy away situation, and. Wrapping up the AFC title game with the point spread, the line opened for a very brief moment. Ravens minus two and a half on Sunday night quickly got bet up to Ravens minus three and a half and even money. But we've seen even more action coming on Baltimore over the course of the week as Mo and I discussed now almost consensus wise Ravens minus four, but you're still laying it there with Baltimore. Yeah, I am. Um, you know, th this is obviously for the, uh, for the late week betters. Um, but, I mean, you know, a lot of people make bets late in the week. I, I got my bets in early, uh, especially on the other one. I went on the, uh, the the other point spread for the other game. We'll get to that. Went real hard on that when that opened. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that the Ravens have kind of proved themselves to be the best team in the NFL this year. I mean, they, they pants the 49ers when they played, you know, and I think that the 49ers are the most talented team in the NFL. But I think the Ravens have shown themselves to be the best team in the NFL and the chiefs have kind they, you know, you can make an argument that they are peaking at the right time. I mean, they've played some of their best football late in the season and in the playoffs to date. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a super comfortable one by any means. Um, but you know, you, you talk about the, uh, the, I mean, the Ravens offensive line is healthy right now and the chiefs offensive line is not, and it already had problems. And I think a lot of times when you look at, 
just who was going to win the battle of the trenches. Um, that that's the side that I want to be on. And I, I think the Ravens are going to win the battle uh, in the trenches. On to the NFC championship game. And let's stay on the point spread. Cause you brought that up. 49ers actually up to a juiced minus seven as of this recording on Thursday, even seven and a half starting to pop in San Francisco's direction, even money and handicapping this one. You said you went hard on San Francisco. So dive yeah. into that at least early in the week when this was on Sunday night, opened around minus six and a half. Yeah. And that's when I took it and I feel real good about it. Cause then it, it went through the seven and I still like it. You know, obviously not nearly as much because seven is so key, but uh, I, I still like it because I think the 49ers and I even I even teased it to um, or I, I went with the alternative spread at 13 and a half. I, I think the 49ers can smoke the Lions. I also noticed that the public is really big on the Lions right now, like really big, like they're getting 70 percent of the bets. And I, I don't like that, you know, um, so. I, I think the 49ers, you know, again, are the most talented team in the NFL. And I think that they're going to have success really in every way against Detroit, uh, which doesn't typically play, you know, its best football on the road and is very exploitable defensively. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just look, the Lions had a really nice run and I, I think it's going to come to a, a, a screeching halt here. The 49ers really take care of business. Yeah, and you brought up all the public money coming in on Detroit or bets-wise. I mean, you mm -hmm. look at cover rate in the NFL. Lions have the highest cover rate in the league. So what is that going to attract? Novice bettors and public bettors, especially after the way Brock Purdy looked. Would you correlate Purdy's performance? I mean, it seems like you're super high in San Francisco. So would you kind of dissect what Brock Purdy did or didn't do against Green Bay more so just solely to the weather because there are so many narratives around Purdy this year, whether you look at that three game lull mid season yeah. when he was dealing with the concussion or last week against green Bay. Well, there were several factors and you're right. He did not play very well really for the majority of the game. He played well late and he made enough plays for them to get that victory, but he missed a, a surprising amount of easy throws just flat missed them. And I think that you can attribute it partly to uh, the weather. I mean, that was driving rain at times during that game. It, it was it was more of a weather-affected game than I anticipated it being. Um, and also, the 49ers' offensive line isn't great, and the Packers have a lot of really individual, talented, defensive front seven members, and they won the battle in the trenches in that particular game. And I think that Brock Purdy was pretty uncomfortable when you combine the pass rush and the weather. And they also lost Debo Samuel on like what the first or second drive. And it looked like he was going to be a really big part of the game plan because he had two catches for 24 yards right out the gate. And then you saw what happened when he went out. Uh, they were throwing a ton to Juwan Jennings. Uh, they even gave him a handoff and like Chris Conley played a bigger role. I think that Debo Samuel is going to play in this game as we're doing this on Thursday and he returned to a limited practice today. That, to me, is a signal that they're trying to ramp him up to play. So, um, yeah, I, I expect Brock Perry to be much more comfortable this week, Debo to play, and, um, you know, all the other dudes are healthy too. And on the flip side of the ball for Detroit's offense, not as many, not nearly as many props for you, betting-wise, for this game, but 
you're looking at the Lions tight end Sam Laporta, who played well over the last couple of weeks, and both defenses in respect to the Rams and the Bucks could be exploited over the middle of the field. But that isn't necessarily the case with San Francisco. And right. Laporta's receiving yards prop is sitting at 49 and a half. So how are you playing it? Yeah, and this is also tied to the fact that I don't think that Jonah Jackson, the Lions left guard, is going to play. So if, you know, his backup needs help. And Frank Ragnow, the stud center, is also a little bit banged up. That's concerning to me. If Jonah Jackson's backup, you know, needs help on the interior, uh, then, you know, that that's going to take away from the Lions' ability to get help to the tackles on the outside. They don't necessarily need as much help as, you know, some of the other, uh, you know, like the Chiefs, for instance. But, you know, Laporta might have to do a little bit more blocking. Um, and, 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 and as you mentioned, like the, the 49ers have real, like a ton of athleticism in the middle of the field, namely Fred Warner. They haven't given up anything to tight ends really all season. Um, this one's a little scary because I love Sam Laporta. He's now two weeks removed from that hyperextended knee and bone bruise. So it's a little bit scary, but you know, people want to bet props props. And I think that this one makes sense because it's not a good matchup. And I do think that he might have to end up blocking a little bit more than usual. Uh, oh, Brock Wright is also not going to play. And he is the Lions' primary blocking tight end. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's another notch against Sam Laporta. Great nugget. Great nuggets overall. Breaking down the handicap of that prop. And you go back to last week just for me, man. Just to kind of vent a little bit about the Bucks lions game. I had Bucks plus six and a half. I don't know if you bet the point spread in that one, but if Jamel Dean didn't go down and I know it was one drive, but I remember uh, a week 16 or week 17 game saints box Zion McCollum got absolutely torched by Derek Carr throughout that game. And what happens when Dean goes out last week? I don't know if the bucks would have won outright, but probably cover against Detroit. Maybe you see less public money to your point on the lions this week. If they don't cover in that streak, Ends, but man, McCollum got absolutely picked apart on that touchdown drive. I think the last final possession for the Lions, or second to last, when Amon Ross St. Brown holding that touchdown against McCollum. So, and while the 49ers defense has been exposed a little bit in the second half of the season, still a much more sure and trustworthy defense than what Tampa Bay had, especially over the middle of the field. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the Bucs were. The Bucs were, you know, extreme pass funnel because they're pretty good against the run and you can really beat them up, especially when they lose Dean, really beat them up with the pass and not not the case for San Francisco. Last prop to touch on, Lions backfield. Mo brought up in the first half of the podcast, David Montgomery over rushing yards. So mm. not necessarily juxtaposed to that, but you're looking at Jameer Gibbs through the air. How are you playing his receiving yards? Yeah, and that this is because I think that the 49ers are going to get a lead in this game. And when the opponent against the Lions gets a lead, Jameer Gibbs playing time typically goes up. And, um, you know, again, I, I think that the 49ers could give Amon Ross St. Brown a little bit of trouble. You know, I'm kind of down on Sam Laporta in this particular game. And so I think that Jameer Gibbs could become a really big factor in the passing game against San Francisco. Um, so I like the over on 22 and a half receiving yards for him. I also like the ladders and uh, that's the alternate receiving yards. 
you could play him up to uh, on on DraftKings specifically. If he goes over seventy receiving yards, you get it at eleven to one, um, and then you know sixty receiving yards is I think plus six fifty or something like that. Like I like all of those plus money bets, you know, and it gives your it gives your it's a way of giving yourself a chance to make some real money as opposed to you know all these relatively you know give or take the even money bets. Absolutely, no, I love the look there too. So. Overall, man, you got 14, 15 bets if you want to count the 49ers alt spread. So what do you want from our listeners, viewers, if you cash on maybe 60, 70% of them? You want cupcakes with your faces on them? How do you want to play this? (laughs) (laughs) No, I just want the people to be happy and for me to get more right than I get wrong. (laughs) <laughs> don't we all especially yeah. <laughs> especially on the rough weeks but he is evan silva at evan silva on x co-founder of establish the run fantasy football originator i remember listening to evan and ross tucker who i have a so-so relationship with these days oh. going back to my high school days and again custom mugs custom cupcakes custom cookies we're sending it all your way i'm sorry if you don't want them but if you cash on 80 percent I'll send you all three. So that'll do it for this edition of Beat the Closing Number. Big thanks to Evan Civil for joining the show. I meant what I said, one of the best fantasy football and player prop gurus out there. Be sure to follow him on X at Evan Silva. And be sure to follow Mo on X at Monawara, two W's. You can follow me at Eli Herskovich. And if you decide to tail or fade any or all of our bets, you could do so with BetMGM promo code. First-time users can use BetMGM promo code the lines one word to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. You can check out all of our bets, any ads for both conference championship games in the Lions Discord channel. Link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner. Subscribe and get notifications in the role section. If you subscribe to YouTube, give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to our YouTube channel or five-star rating and review on Apple, Spotify, both really help boost the podcast and you could compete in our free contest this weekend to win Amazon gift cards over at play.thelines.com. So for Mo, who's now on a flight, I think, and for Evan, for myself, Eli Herskovich, thanks for watching and listening to another edition of Beat the Closing Number. Good luck on your conference title game bets. Go Ravens, especially those of you who have futures bets. So long, everybody. 